Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Thank Ocean you. Hills to 77977. <laughs> we hope you enjoy this message. Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. It is Christmas Eve, and we are going to celebrate the video and being alive. I forgot. way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. To kindness and love, the things we need most. I believe. You can't hurt Christmas, Mr. Mayor, because it isn't about the, the gifts or the contests or the fancy lights. That, that's what Cindy's been trying to tell everyone. Just remember... The true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Mm-hmm. Let's try this again. <laughs> oh, we show, we show that intro. Thanks again for our team who put that together. Uh, We're in a culture where the culture uh, helps us feel good at this time of season. I I love this season. I love so many of these films and movies. And yet this series is really thinking about uh, what is the true meaning of Christmas? And we have been looking at John chapter 1. If you brought a Bible, maybe just put your finger right in there in in the gospel of John chapter 1. We've been looking at... uh, the first 18 verses, but um, maybe true confession. This message, I, I, um, here's my fear of today. Today, for whatever reason in my heart, it just, it feels academic. It feels more theological, more head than heart. And so I'm hoping, I'm praying that somehow as I'm speaking, that the, the, the truth the theology, uh, the thinking of this message moves from here to here in your life, that it impacts how you walk out of here and how you live, not just kind of, oh, thanks, uh, Merry Christmas. That's what we, we, we don't want that. We want God's word to penetrate your hearts in a way that makes you think differently and then makes you live differently. How many of you have uh, true confessions here? How many of you have ever been pulled over for exceeding the speed limit by CHP? How many of you? Okay. So uh, I'm not going to say it was recent because it wasn't, but uh, it was over a year ago, but uh, coming back from the Bay Area, We're in the car, we're talking, and I was exceeding the speed limit. CHP pulled me over. You know that, that, oh no, you see the lights? It's just that, oh no. So I'm thinking, now I don't know if I'm the only one, but how many of you are thinking, okay, what can I say to get out of this, right? So of course, I'm like, 
I know he's going to ask for my license and insurance. So I pull out my license, get my insurance, I roll down the window, he comes. And I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. Here's my license and insurance. I go, I am so sorry. I have no excuse. I was just connecting with my wife. We were talking and I'm so sorry. He grabbed the license. He goes, I'll be back in, you know. Comes back five minutes later. And he says, you're good to go. Just slow it down a little bit, would you? I'm like, God bless you. <laughs> and thank you for the grace. Now, some of you know I do weddings and, and, and you sign the wedding license. And then on Monday, sometimes I'll, I have to walk, I'll walk the wedding license into the courthouse. So again, oh, in the last year or so, I parked in the 15-minute <laughs> parking spots across the street from the courthouse, the green zone, 15 minutes. You're all aware of 15 minutes, right? And we all know that 15 minutes doesn't really mean 15 minutes, don't we? So I parked there. I thought, I'm just going to run across the street, not jaywalk, but... <clears throat> Run across the street. I go in there. Oh, my gosh, there's a line. And it's not 15. It's not 20. It's probably 25 minutes I'm in there. But I'm thinking, those meter maids, they don't come every 15 minutes. There's at least, I mean, I think there's, there's some grace in there. I don't know what it is. But I come out, and I see the meter maid pulling up to my car. So I go running across the street. Hey, hey, no, it's not too late. I'm here, I'm here. And she says, you are too late, smiling and hands me a ticket. And I didn't say, God bless you. I went, bless you. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, but I got a ticket and there was no grace there. It was law enforcement. It was, there's a reason, there's a standard. There's grace in one story, there's truth in the other story. The Bible says that Jesus came full of just grace, right? Now, let's read the scripture. I think it's up on the screen. Just gonna read a couple verses this morning. John chapter one. The word became flesh, talking about Jesus Christ. Back in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, right? So the Word is a person, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Eugene Peterson translates that, he moved into the neighborhood, right? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Say it with me out loud. Full of grace and truth. And then verse 17 of John. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. Grace and truth, grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, we tend to be as people more of one than the other. Jesus was 100% grace and 
100% truth. We tend to be more, right, in your parenting, one of you maybe more grace, the other one is more truth, maybe in the workplace, maybe amongst teammates, maybe you, you fill in the blank with extended family, you tend to lean more. How many of you are truth people? Raise your hand. You're like, I, I, I'm more the hammer. I'm, I'm more the standard. We're going to stick to the standard. How many of you are more grace people? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Well, today, really, the, the invitation is for us to raise our game to become more like Jesus Christ. So if I'm more gracious and full of grace, maybe today God's saying to me, I, I, I need to, because truth matters. Think about a world without truth. We're kind of edging that way a little bit, aren't we? But then think about a world without grace. And so let me kind of get into the, the head part of this. Let's just talk about, some of you might be going, well, what, what is grace? Let me just read some reflections here. Definitions, uh, word study. Grace is getting, well, some people would say it's getting what we don't deserve. Others would say it's not getting what we do deserve. It's about favor that's unearned, that's undeserved. It's about forgiveness. It's about second chances. Grace is... When someone refuses to give up on you, despite what you've done, despite the way maybe you've been a disappointment or hurt them or let them down or betrayed them, they refuse to give up on you. That is grace. There's nothing that you or I can do to gain grace or earn grace grace. It's, grace is given freely. Uh, it has to do with the character of God. It's who he is. It's, it's his loyal, unfailing love. Grace is God's gifts of goodness and favor in our lives that we don't deserve, gifts of salvation, gifts of forgiveness, gift of eternal life, gift of protection, of blessing, material blessing, that's grace. Family, close friendships, these are all gifts of, we would say, grace. It's unearned, undeserved, unequal. But what about truth? Truth. That word, it has to do with factuality or reality, the way things really are. The way things really are. Truth, according to Scripture, is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that means that truth is both intellectual and factual, but it's also deeply personal and, and relational. God's truth leads us to what is real, to what is accurate. So it's not subjective. It's not a consensual cultural construct. It's not an outdated, irrelevant concept. Truth 
It's incompatible with pluralism. It's incompatible with relativism, this kind of my truth, this world, we it's my truth. Hey, that's your truth, that's cool. Like somehow we get to decide what's true and what's not. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Actually, it doesn't even matter how you behave as long as you don't hurt somebody else. Even if you don't know what you're doing, might hurt somebody else, as long as you think it's not gonna hurt them, it's okay. And so this is this world that we live in and God says that, no, there is a truth, I am the truth, and it's the reality that God has created and defined. And in John 1, we read that the, the word created this world, created us, and if God's behind it, if Jesus made this world, it makes sense that he knows how it functions, what's healthy, what's toxic. And it makes sense that he knows the way for us to experience the best pathway for our life, like the psalmist said. And so at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. I'm going to ask you to think about this for a moment. Those of you that know your Bibles a little bit, if I were to say Jesus was all grace, where, where in the Gospels would you point to? Where'd you go, oh yeah, here's a story, here's a parable, here's a teaching, here's a way he related to people that, that would highlight, that would reveal, that would be an expression of grace. Even as I'm talking, some of you are thinking, well, of course, the Good Samaritan. That was a parable that he told about acting with generosity and grace, the prodigal son. We would say that's a beautiful story of God, the father. Tim Keller called it, called it the prodigal God story, not the prodigal son story, right? The unmerciful servant. How many times should I forgive my brother or sister if they sin against me? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Like this generous, sacrificial favor that's undeserved and unearned, right? And we might point to some of his teachings through the parables, the way he treated people, the way he welcomed little children who in that culture weren't important. And yet here Jesus walked and lived and made time for and space for and extended love to the little children, to the leper, to the lame, to the crippled. I mean, we just can go on and on. And I love, I don't know any of you have seen the, on social media, the, um, it's a portion of a sermon that Alistair Begg, the Scottish preacher, he, he tells this story. I don't know if you've seen it, but I just love it. I've seen it about a hundred times. I like it so much, but he talks about the thief on the cross, and uh, and and I'm I'm not going to exactly quote him, but basically, the grace of God, Jesus was all grace, and he says, here he was on the cross. He saved the criminal on the cross, the guy who had never been baptized and never been to a Bible study. He saved the criminal on the cross, the guy who couldn't explain the doctrine of justification or sanctification, soteriology or eschatology. But Jesus said to him, what? Today, you will be with me 
in paradise. Jesus was all grace. But then he was also all truth. He had backbone. He had standards. He condemned many of the arrogant religious leaders, right, for being hypocrites. He told his disciples about life and the truth about life. You want to find your life? You must lose it. You want to be great? Become a servant. That's the truth. He often said, I tell you the truth, and then would lead into a teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He obeyed the law. He set standards. He demanded allegiance. So here's my question. Why do we need both grace and truth? Why can't we just have grace? I'm I'm kind of one of those. I I just, uh, you know, come on. Here's some reflections I just kind of collected from Henry Cloud, who I'm a fan of, Randy Alcorn, and Dane Ortland. Just some reflections on why we need both. Grace without truth pampers. Truth without grace hammers. Let me say it again. Grace without truth pampers. Truth without grace hammers. Grace without truth is love without correction. Truth without grace is correction without love. I like this one. Grace without truth is soft and spoils people. Truth without grace is harsh and crushes people. When we offend everybody, it's because we've majored in truth without grace. When we offend nobody, it's because we've watered down truth in the name of grace. How about this one? Truth is quick to post warning signs and guardrails at the top of the cliff, but neglects to help them when they crash. Grace is quick to post ambulances and paramedics at the bottom of the cliff. But without truth, it fails to post warning signs and build guard rails. And so if we want to follow Jesus and become like him, we must grow in becoming people of grace and truth. I was trying to think, is there anywhere in the scriptures where where we see Jesus actually giving us an example, an expression, living it out, a a model of this? And and how about the story, what I thought of as the story in John chapter 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Do you remember that story? Jesus is teaching in the temple, and the religious leaders bring in this woman says that she was caught in the act of adultery and uh, they're trying to trick Jesus. And, and you know, the, the law of Moses said we should kill her, we should stone her. Uh, what do you think we should do? And as the story, as John records this story, says that Jesus bent down and he started writing in the sand or in the sandstone. It doesn't tell us what he was writing, but the circle of older younger, kind of intergenerational, because it says later that the older ones left first. We don't know what he was writing. But some scholars believe that what he was writing in front of the person was maybe your sin. And then writing your sin. Now, can you imagine being that judgmental person standing there? They were going to stone her. They had rocks in their hands. They were going to stone her right there. 
Jesus bends down and, you know, and, and you know the famous saying, Jesus says, well, you know, let, let him who is without sin cast or throw the first stone. And then slowly they drop the rocks. It says the older ones first and walked away. And then here it is. I think it's, it's the example of, of both grace and truth. Jesus said to her, you know, has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. That's grace. Neither do I. She just got caught in adultery. He says, neither do I condemn you. That's favor. That's unfailing love. That's beautiful picture of a second chance, of a chance to rebuild your life, to not having your sin counted against you. No condemnation. Neither do I condemn you. And then there's another phrase, doesn't end there, the truth part. What's he say? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Meaning there is a way of life. There is a standard that helps make this world work that, that God has created. And it's a life that lives to please God a life that, that, that leans into and lives out the way of God. Go and sin no more. Grace, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So let me ask us as I wrap this up. Where's the application for you? I want you to just think about that. How, how does this grace and truth intersect with your parenting? Whether you have little kids or maybe you have adult children. And it's like, do we keep helping them? Do we cut them off? Right? Some of us are maybe in that season of life. Or you have little kids, you know, and your little kid goes up and pushes another kid down. Do you go, oh, isn't that cute? That's not cute. That's like grab your kids. You bring the truth. You bring correction. We need both. Jesus came full of both. But where does this connect in your life, in your workplace? As you manage your team, you have an employee. Do you look the other way and just hope they get better? Do you hold them to a standard? Is there truth? But then when they're underperforming, is there grace? How do we navigate that, right? And so you think about your world right now. I'm going to just give us a moment, maybe close your eyes. Let's do that. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. It might be extended family. It might be an ex <laughs> that you're having to deal with and relate with, and you, you just want to bring truth, and maybe there's, there's grace that's needed with some family members or, or former family members. Where in your life might you invite the spirit of Jesus to fill your heart with grace and truth. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Kind Father, I thank you that my life, my very life, and my leadership and my marriage 
and my parenting and my pastoring and my friendships have all been transformed and changed because of grace and because of truth. Thank you for these gifts this Christmas season, grace and truth. And God, right now, I pray that you would shine your spotlight into our hearts, revealing to us right now in real time, in this moment, where where do we need to grow? I'm reminded of Henry Cloud in his book, Changes That Heal. He said that growth equals grace plus truth plus time. And so, Lord, I pray right now for everybody in this room that we would grow and become healthy, life-giving people like Jesus. Some of us need more grace. Some of us need more truth. And all of us need more time to grow. And so I invite the Word of God and the Spirit of God to do the work of God in us. And I just invite you right now to identify that one situation, that one relationship in your life that you want to commit to the Lord this morning. Say, God, I need, I need you to show up right now for me and to do a work of grace and truth in this situation, in this relationship, in this difficult conversation, or maybe it's a necessary ending, or maybe it's a, a relationship that needs to be rebuilt or a clarifying conversation. But Lord, we invite you into that situation right here, right now, and pray that your grace and truth would bring those situations and relationships into a a new place of health, of light, and love. Give us the courage as your people to speak the truth in love, with grace. Help us to be known as people that walk in the light of grace and truth as you are in the light. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand as we sing and, uh, and respond. Let, let the words of this song sink into your heart and, and as an act of response of faith. Oh. as well. If you want prayer, we have our prayer team up here. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. You may be in a place heading out this week uh, into a situation this week where you need more grace or truth. Let us pray for you. Uh, Maybe you just need a blessing this Christmas. Let us pray a blessing over you for God's favor on your life and on your relationships. So when you're ready, if you want to come for prayer, the prayer team would love to pray for you.